The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. On the heels of the new clean energy law signed over the summer, some climate advocates are looking ahead to the new legislative session in January, and they're ready for the legislature to act again. Katie Lannon, you uh, caught up with some of these folks recently. What are they looking for? Yeah, Sam, that's right. And, you know, we did see kind of a push this session for the state to transition to 100 percent renewable energy across all sectors, not just electricity. And some energy, climate, environmental advocates are looking to see that push renewed in the new section. They say it's really time for Massachusetts to take this step And they're pointing to states like California and Hawaii that have committed to obtaining all of their electricity from renewable sources by 2045, as well as some actions by colleges, businesses, and other institutions closer to home. Boston University announced this week they're going to be purchasing enough wind power from South Dakota to meet their full annual electricity consumption. And Hampshire College recently became the first residential college in the country to be powered entirely by on-campus solar panels. Harvard, too, has committed to a 100% clean electricity goal. We could also see carbon pricing, a carbon tax or fee, as one of the issues that reemerges next session. Um, Didn't pass this year, although the Senate committed to language from its global warming committee. Senator Mike Barrett, who's one of the main carbon pricing proponents in the legislature, he tells me he'll be uh, refiling his bill in January. And uh, Senator Barrett also had some thoughts about political impacts, didn't he, if the lawmakers don't act on this. Uh, What are the consequences here? So I talked to Senator Barrett after he attended a global warming summit out in California, and he's really expecting a lot of mobilization around climate issues in the next election cycle. It's funny to be kind of already looking ahead to 2020 while we're still in the middle of our 2018 elections. But we've already seen some of this play out here. We've seen new waves of younger candidates, new waves of female candidates, new waves of climate-focused candidates. And Senator Barrett expects this to continue in 2020. Um, This is a quote from him. There will be no place to hide in the Democratic primaries. He's expecting to see a lot of challengers come forth on these issues. Hmm. So once we make it out of this election cycle, that'll be something to watch for. Sure, sure is. All right. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Sam. 60 days. That's how long Columbia Gas says it's going to take to fully restore service to all the homes and businesses affected by the gas explosions and fires last week up in the Lawrence area. The response to the gas emergency is unfolding on two tracks. So Colin Young is here to bring us up to speed on both. Colin, let's start with the immediate recovery up in the Merrimack Valley. What's the plan for the folks directly affected by this emergency? Hey, Sam. So Monday, November 19th is the date. That's when gas service is expected to be restored. But there's a lot that needs to be done to get there. Uh, So after demoting Columbia Gas and putting Eversource in charge of phase one of the recovery efforts in Lawrence, Andover, and North Andover, Governor Charlie Baker on Friday announced that he's used his executive authority to compel Columbia to hire an outside contractor to lead the next phases of the recovery. So retired Naval Captain Joe Albanese, who served 25 years with Naval Construction Forces, will be the chief recovery officer for the project, responsible for command, control, and communications. 
Baker on Friday also activated the National Guard to help Columbia Gas deliver about 7,000 hut plates so people can cook a hut meal in their homes even without gas. That distribution begins on Saturday. And starting next week, the National Guard will help deliver space heaters to affected customers because it's going to start getting chilly before gas service is back. And as far as the actual gas infrastructure goes, Sam, Columbia Gas and contractors are going to begin the process of replacing 48 miles of cast iron and bare steel pipes that distribute the gas throughout the three communities next week. Before that can start, uh, crews will begin venting gas lines to ensure there's no residual gas in the system before the replacement begins. Columbia Gas says this is a routine and safe procedure, but that people in Lawrence Andover and North Andover might smell gas while it's being done. And beginning Wednesday, teams will fan out across the three towns to visit each and every impacted home or business to do a full assessment of what meters or gas appliances have to be repaired or replaced. Needless to say, they've got their work cut out for them in the Merrimack Valley. To be sure. So while Lawrence Andover and North Andover deal with the wake of these explosions and fires and wait for the infrastructure under their streets to be replaced, there are other efforts afoot to deal with natural gas and gas safety in the Commonwealth. Tell us about those efforts. Well, House Speaker Robert DeLeo this week mentioned two things that the legislature might be able to do. The first is provide relief funding for the affected towns. And the second was a statewide effort, and to quote the speaker, uh, statewide effort, quote, in terms of all the gas companies taking a look at their particular lines, too. Uh, the speaker didn't elaborate on that, but I imagine we'll, we may hear more about that from him in the future. Uh, and also this week, the Boston City Council agreed to hold a hearing on that city's natural gas infrastructure and its plans for preventing a situation uh, like that in the Merrimack Valley from happening in Boston. Uh, and discussions like that are taking place in city and town halls all across the state, and we'll see where those talks lead and what it means for the future of gas. Gotcha. Thanks, Colin. Hey, thanks, Sam. Mike Norton joins us now with a look at the week ahead. Hey, Mike. Hey, Sam. As we wrap up the week, Mike, on Beacon Hill, who would have thought we'd be talking about hot plates and space heaters? That's right. That's where we're at this point in the Merrimack Valley. Now, the gas emergency up there, Sam, in Lawrence, uh, North Andover and Andover, it's not going to subside for a while. Governor Baker outlined plans to restore gas service uh, by the week of Thanksgiving, uh, with the National Guard coming in this weekend to begin assisting residents and businesses with necessities like heat and showers. Uh, the timetable means the Greater Lawrence area will be the center of recovery uh, efforts throughout the election season, and it's likely the governor and other public uh, officials are going to continue to spend a good deal of time in the area, uh, which is also in the midst of a race for an open congressional seat. The governor plans to start his week there on Monday meeting with business officials. Now, on Monday night, Baker is due back in Boston to attend the Better Government Awards hosted by the Pioneer Institute. Now, that is a, uh, a think tank where Baker once served as executive director. And that is not lost on the Massachusetts Teachers Association. They're planning to host a protest before the event where they plan to allege that Pioneer is affiliated with anti-union networks uh, and they want to call out the governor in connection with stalled public higher ed contracts. What else is looking interesting next week? Okay, there, there is more, Sam. On Tuesday, yeah. Boston Mayor Marty Walsh plans to join executives from the Cottonwood Group for an Echelon Seaport Tower topping off. Now, officials say this is the largest residential development currently under construction in the city. 
Now, once all three towers are open, they'll feature more than 700 homes and 50,000 square feet of retail space. And this is down in the seaport. Have you uh, been down there recently, Mike? I have, Sam. Uh, last Saturday night, I, I cut through there to try to avoid uh, some of the traffic on uh, the Southeast Expressway, and the amount of development there is really staggering. And this is true. This is true. Uh, what's happening uh, out west next week? Out, yeah, thanks, Sam. Out in Holyoke, there's an event Tuesday uh, that'll sort of contrast the old energy economy with the new one. Uh, now, at the site of an old coal-fired power plant is being demolished, uh, officials at NG North America and Holyoke Gas and Electric plan to draw attention to what they say is the largest energy storage system in Massachusetts, as well as a large-scale community solar farm. Now, later in the week, Sam, Senate President Karen Spilka, she has kept a low profile since she was elected to that post in late July. Uh, she'll be a guest on Boston Public Radio on Wednesday. Uh, the State House News for, uh, Forum and the EOS Foundation, along with the UMass Boston Center for Women in Politics and Public Policy, plan on Thursday to host a panel discussion on the women's power gap in higher education. And Thursday is also a big day for the big Beth Israel Deaconess Leahy Health merger. That will be up a uh, final cost and market impact review report before the Massachusetts Health Policy Commission. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Sam. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.